I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. In this episode, I talk about the three different types of Christians. Which one are you? Well, you know what they say, if life gives you melons, then you're probably dyslexic. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 56. It's just Matt this week uh, because Jenna, my wonderful co-host and best friend, had her baby. Uh, And so her son, my godson, uh, Jude Theodore, was born on November 9th. Um, He was born with a a little bit of a digestive issue, but um, they had um, performed surgery on him. And even though that's, you know, obviously very scary, um, he is recovering well. Everything was super successful, um, and they're confident that um, he'll be great. So um, I don't want to go into too much detail, but if you just want to continue to keep her and her family in your prayers, especially prayers for baby Jude, that would be wonderful. Um, so that was a great peak and kind of a little pit, um, but definitely peak moment um, of this past week or two. Also, I just had my birthday. Um, my birthday was on November 7th, turned 32, and it was great uh, spending time with family and friends. Uh, just moved into a new office at work, finished up some home projects, and so, um, yeah, it, things have been going really good. So lots of peak things to um, to be joyful about. And also, I totally almost forgot this, um, we have a new patron of our podcast, Taylor DiBernardo, my co-host's sister-in-law, um, who is amazing and has an incredible singing voice, like the voice of an angel, really beautiful voice, uh, such a wonderful person. Um, she's a teacher and is very, very good at it. Um, and so, Thank you so much, Taylor, for supporting our podcast. And if you're hearing this and you have benefited from this podcast in any way whatsoever, if you've enjoyed it in the least bit and you have $1 extra every month or even more than that, that's how much it takes to support our podcast and become a patron. And so go to manafoodforthought.com, click on the Patreon button, and you can become a patron. And we're very appreciative um, of all of our patrons. So thank you to those of you who continue to support uh, this podcast. Um, So... Lots of peaks. Um, A pit, um, there's just been, every day this week has felt like a marathon. Um, Just a ton of little things going on, things to do around the house, Um, cleaning, work, like I said, moving into my new office. It's all been great stuff, but at the end of the day, I'm just so exhausted. So um, feeling a little um, sparse on time spent with family, and so I'm glad that um, having a few days off this week now that that's all calmed down, um, to do that. And then a plug, I just came across this this week. Um, if you're interested in learning more about Thomas Aquinas, who's one of the main Christian philosophers, saints, and thinkers of history, um, it's basically like Augustine and Aquinas. Um, those are the main thinkers. Um, but Aquinas can be very, very dense and very, very difficult to unpack. Um, especially if you don't have any training in theology or philosophy, um, So what I would highly recommend is um, you go to YouTube and look up, I think the Thomas Institute is the name of it, but if you just look up Aquinas 101, um, really great, short, succinct videos that are well done, uh, some with really good animation that explain um, Aquinas' theology and some of his thoughts on uh, on key issues like the existence of God, um, the interplay between faith and science, 
um, different, you know, levels of philosophy and theology when it comes to the nature of humankind, things like that. So, um, or human nature, uh, definitely would recommend that. Um, and then lastly, I want to put a plug out for our next episode. Our next episode is going to be a Q and a episode. So I know that there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast that aren't Catholic or maybe aren't even Christian. Um, and if you have questions about what the church teaches, um, or what the Bible says about a certain issue or a certain question, um, I want to not only be able to provide that answer, but something we really want to do at this podcast is always try and bring this to like the practical of what does it look like to live this out in your life. And there's a lot of gray area situations and some questions um, when it comes to what the church teaches on it. And so I want to be able to answer your question, but also provide an answer that's like, well, here's the black and white answer when it's like very easy circumstances to determine. But in the gray area situation, like... Here's, here's what this might mean for you in your own life. I also want to be able to provide that, which I don't think is provided as often. So please feel free to submit a question. Uh, you can email us at manafoodforthought at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Instagram. Uh, you can send us a message on our website. You can let us know personally, text us, uh, whatever you want. We'll keep it anonymous um, unless you, you know, want for some reason for us to share your name and what question you had, um, if it's relevant for any particular reason. But if you want to provide some context to help you personally, and you'd like to keep that private, we'll just we'll just act as though everything is anonymous. And so please let us know what your questions are. That'll be for our next episode. So in today's episode, I want to talk about three types of Christians. Um, and I want to see, um, I want to ask you a question or a couple of questions to determine, help you determine which one of these three you might fall into. Um, spoiler alert, one of them is better than the rest. I'm just gonna, or more preferable. I'm just gonna put that out there. So this isn't meant to be judgmental or condemning if you don't assign yourself to the right category. I think it's more meant to be convicting and challenging for all of us, myself included, to really um, make sure we're answering the questions of um, what the Christian faith proposes to us in the right way. Uh, and so the questions I have for you are, um, why are you Catholic or why are you Christian? Or why do you go to the church that you do? Why do you believe in God in the first place? So basically, why do you do religion? Why do you do it? And I think the answer is going to be really indicative of what category you might end up falling into. Um, because in reality, there is only one answer. Um, and it might manifest in a couple different forms, but there really is only one answer. And I'll share that with you uh, toward the end. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But um, I want to I want to recommend to you three different ways people might answer that question, or you know, three different ways people might um, fit into a kind of Christian um, I don't know way of of living uh, or a, a kind of close to Christian way of living based on a book by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. Now, if you've never read this book, I would highly recommend it. It's a short read. And the premise of The Screwtape Letters is basically that Screwtape is the name of a senior demon who is writing to his nephew, Wormwood, who is a demon in training, who's been assigned a human who's called the patient that he has to lead to hell. And if he doesn't lead him to hell, he has to take his place in hell and be devoured by the other demons. Um, and there's all this stuff about the nature of hell in there that's very interesting. Um, it's obviously a work of, um, you know, hypothetical fiction or, you know, it's a, um, you know, because hell is not fictional, but it's, you know, C.S. Lewis didn't hear this conversation, you know, take place. He kind of had to put himself in the mindset of 
um, what would demons do to tempt humans, um, and and really kind of uh, then put that in a back and forth uh, sort of dialogue. Um, but that's the premise of the of the the book. Um, so Wormwood is writing his uncle asking for advice on how to tempt this human to get him to go to hell. And through throughout the the premise of this book, uh, very early on, the patient becomes Christian. And so um, Screwtape is kind of harsh to Wormwood for allowing that to happen. But what's interesting is that he's like, okay, this could be for our benefit. You know, it's not like it's the end of the world. Uh, and this is really something that I think uh, we can glean a lot from. It was very interesting in rereading this. And every time I read it, I get something new from it. But I want to highly encourage you to read this if you haven't. But um, I'm going to highlight a couple of the different letters. Each chapter is kind of one letter um, between between the two, Wormwood and Screwtape. And so um, the first type of Christian that I think we can um, glean from these letters that Screwtape is advising Wormwood, you should try and make your patient into this type of Christian, is the comfortable Christian. Now, this is the Christian that um, their Christianity is more like they're a fan of Jesus. You know, like they like Jesus and everything, but Christianity is kind of like a social club. Um, They go because... Um, you know, it makes them feel good or because they get something out of it or because, um, I don't know, they like the music or they like the donuts or whatever. Superficial reasons. Like you can like those things, but they can't be the only reason um, that you go. And we see this in the correspondence between Screwtape and Wormwood. And so Screwtape is advising Wormwood that he needs to make sure that the patient doesn't realize that as part of his conversion that he's getting uh, further away from the devil, from the enemy. Um, it's almost like Screwtape is saying that um, he's he's almost glad that Wormwood's patient is still going to church um, because that way Wormwood can tempt the patient to um, to think he's a Christian even if he's not acting like one. Uh, and so basically, um, he he wants Wormwood to tempt the patient into feeling that he has the sense like things haven't been going that well lately because he's been sinning, because he's not perfect. Um, so he should feel bad, but only like, you know, like kind of in the in the back of his head. It shouldn't be something that's like so drastic, like he's convincing him to be a murderer or something like that. Because I think elsewhere in the letters, Screwtape advises Wormwood like, look, you don't need to convince him to be this like huge um, sinner because a lot of times when people do that, they'll have a radical conversion. So you don't want to open that door accidentally. Um, he says that the, the road to hell is paved in small decisions and small choices, Sm- a small inching away from God uh, in uh, for our own pride, our own comfort, um, our own uh, unwillingness to do what is bold or courageous uh, for the Lord. Uh, and so I'm vastly paraphrasing and, you know, kind of talking about the general idea of what he's saying. Um, and so he's trying to get the the Wormwood to get the patient to be distracted from praying, uh, to make him feel guilty about this, um, but also um, to allow him to be distracted, you know, by anything um, as this goes on, to just kind of be like his Christianity is just something that he does, but not something that he is. And I think that is the hallmark of the comfortable Christian. So maybe if your answer to that question like was, why do you do religion? Why do you believe in God? Why are you Christian? Why do you go to the church that you go to? If it was hard for you to come up with an answer for that, or if it was a very kind of like shallow surface level convenient answer, then maybe this might be something that can convict you to really think about like, is this really impacting my life? Is this really transforming my life in the way that it should? 
Or is this just an hour on Sunday for me? And the rest of my week is, is unaffected. You know, if, if you stopped going to church tomorrow, would anything else in your life change? You know, your job would likely be the same. And now I'm not saying like, if we're Christians, we got to quit our jobs, but like, does that flow into every other avenue of our life? Or is it just something that we do when we feel like it because it makes us feel better? Is God someone we go to when we need something? Uh, is he our first choice or is he our last resort? Is he that comfort in times that we need prayer or that we need peace or that we need um, a relief from stress or we're prepping for a test or a big decision? Or is he that person that's constantly there transforming us, inviting us into the loving relationship that he, he has in store for us, that he wants for us every single day? Um, and so to really ask ourselves, am I being too comfortable in my Christianity? Because it doesn't take some big radical sin uh, to tempt me onto a path that might cause me to send myself to hell. It's a slow inching away from God into areas of more and more comfort, more and more pride, more and more selfishness, more and more convenience, and really not being willing to step out into the great adventure and the great unknown that is the life of a disciple. I mean, if you read the Acts of the Apostles, the, the, the apostles were like the survivor man or the man versus wild of their time. Like they were the greatest adventurers of their time. I mean, you read St. Paul about how many times he was shipwrecked and accosted by burglars and, you know, whipped and stabbed and all these different things, uh, attacked by pirates. Like he lived an adventurous life for the Lord. There is one thing that I think every saint has in common. Not one of them lived a boring life. Not one of them lived a boring life. Once they converted, once they knew who Jesus was and allowed him to change their life. None of them was comfortable. Um, the second type of Christian kind of goes to the other extreme. And I would call this the critical Christian. This is kind of like the country club, hypocrite, Pharisee kind of mentality of Christianity. And this is a very prominent uh, image of Christianity, especially in a fundamentalist American culture that we live in, uh, that's predominantly like fundamentalist, Bible Belt, evangelical Christian, um, very, very... Um, perceived as judgmental, um, perceived as, um, you know, I'm thinking of like the Westboro Baptist extremist type of thing, like not compassionate, um, you know, calling people by their sin and not by their name and condemning them, even though nobody's perfect and they're just as big of sinners or were at least at one point in their life. Um, and so um, that obviously we know, I think as Catholics that like that outright judgment of people is wrong. I mean, we, we are very big on mercy. However, what's interesting about some of the letters and screw tape letters is about the mentality we have toward the church or toward other Christians. And so, um, in letter two, um, screw, this is very in the beginning. So screw tape is telling Wormwood, like you shouldn't have let your patient become a Christian. Um, but he's saying that the members of the patient's church might be of use to them. They might be a resource to help tempt the patient to go to hell because the patient likely is expecting this kind of idealized version of what church is like. He's not going to be anticipating that they're imperfect sinners, that things are messy, um, that not everyone has it together. Um, and he's, he's telling Wormwood that the patient cannot realize uh, that the images that he has of religion are stereotypes. Like he needs to think like, this is what it's supposed to be, this perfect ideal 
um, so that he feels disappointed and so that he starts pointing at all of these different things that need to be different. Um, he warns him about overcoming the disappointment because if you overcome disappointment, he says that sometimes that can make people um, harder to tempt because they've, they've become more resilient. Um, but if he pays attention to the fact that everyone in the ordinary life of, of Christianity is, uh, is hypocritical and is a sinner, then Wormwood's task is going to be easier. Um, and so he should really try and discourage the patient while he's in the church. Isn't that interesting? Like he's not telling Wormwood, like, get him out of the church, get him out of that place, get him out of the sacraments. He's saying like, no, let him stay there, but let him be really critical and divisive. And, and I think this is something that's really big in our church right now too. Everyone thinks they have the answer. Everyone thinks we got to do mass this way, or we got to do evangelization this way. Or we've got to teach people this way. And they point fingers at everyone else's version of Christianity and say that it's wrong or it's not good enough or it's not how it should be. And um, spoiler alert, their version is always the best version. Um, and I just, it makes me laugh because there's not one way to be Catholic. There are 23 different rites within Catholicism, meaning 23 different ways to celebrate the Mass. And within those rites, like the Latin or the Roman rite, we have a bunch of different sub-rites, you know, different ways we can do. So there's like dozens, hundred maybe, um, maybe even more than that, ways that you can be Catholic, that Catholicism can look around the world. And I think in a very Western, very Americanized, um, global, you know, like the sense that we're the center of the world, um, I don't think people realize this, but only 6% of the Catholics in the world live in the United States. Only 6%. And yet, I think we are the loudest, the noisiest, and the most opinionated about what church should be like, even though we are the vast minority in terms of what the experience of the global church is. Isn't that crazy? 6%, and yet we're the loudest, probably the most annoying, probably the most divisive, uh, and probably the most prevalent to think that we've got it all figured out. Um, and when people are critical of the church, of Pope Francis in particular, of the way he says things or why he's doing things a certain way, oftentimes, or, or he's being too vague or too general, oftentimes they don't realize he has to be general because we don't celebrate mass and live our Catholicism the way that they do in China, where it has to be underground and they're in danger of, you know, being killed or imprisoned or whatever if they're found out. Like, he's looking at, you know, a bird's eye view of the whole church. And when we just like pigeonhole the church into this tiny little corner and we say, you know what, this is the problem with the church. This is what needs to be fixed. We're completely ignoring the rest of the world. And we're getting so wrapped up in, in where we are. And like, you know, God is only present to my reality and my problems. And as soon as my problems are fixed, the whole world will be fixed. And it's such a proud and such a damaging way to view Christianity. Um, and so the critical Christian is one that is, um, you know, according to the screw tape letters, one whose disappointment can result in decisions and attitudes that pave that slow path to hell. And we got to be very conscious of that. Um, in letter 16, um, Screwtape also tells Wormwood that he has to be really careful because his patient has only been attending one church since his conversion. Um, and so he's saying unless he's like indifferent, unless he doesn't really care, this is a bad sign. Uh, and he should try and make the patient more indecisive and try and um, look at churches like wines and try and fit the church to his taste. 
and so whether it's the music or um, being critical about you know the mass in general, how the priest presents the faith, um, you know how so and so flip flops um, in their political position or in in whatever they're doing, how they present the faith every single Sunday, um, you know he should be very attentive to that, and he even advises Wormwood that he should try and persuade or make the patient to join some kind of clique within within some of the within a church um and that will take his mind um off of um off of the real reason why he's there and make church just kind of a social activity or an activity where he's in an echo chamber of complaining to people who agree with him about how things should be better you know um and so i just find that so interesting that like I don't, I don't know about you, but I know a lot of uh, Christians, I know a lot of Catholics who just like shop around and they'll find the program that fits their needs, the church, you know, the church feels like home, you know, no, every church feels like home when you're Catholic, like that's the reality, like if, if you don't feel that way, then you don't probably don't understand what it means to worship as a Catholic and what the Eucharist is, because that's something we all share in common, and so if you're going to Mass in our right, if you're going to mass in an Ethiopian right or in a Nigerian right or you know maybe uh, in a Syro Malabar right or wherever in any language in any culture, in the Byzantine, Melkite, Coptic rites, whatever, that's home. Regardless of how good the preaching is, because we don't go for the preaching. Regardless of how good the music is, because we don't go for the music. People don't realize this. There doesn't need to be a homily said at every mass. And there doesn't even need to be music at any Mass. The only thing that needs to be sung at every Mass is the Alleluia, and it can be chanted. And it can be chanted badly. It can. You know, not every priest has to get a music degree, you know? Um, because why we go to Mass is to worship God for what He has done for us and to receive that one-time sacrifice that we continue to participate in for all eternity— of Jesus giving himself for our sins on the cross, dying for our sins, and we receive the new Passover of him, the sacrificial lamb in the Eucharist, to sustain us and to carry us forward uh, and to give us the grace that we need to continue to live in thankful, um, in a thankful awareness of the fact that we don't deserve what we were given. You know, we, we were as... St. Augustine is pretty harsh in his theology. He basically says every single person is destined to hell um, because, of our dis- because of our choices because we're all sinners. We all make mistakes, right? And so if God was only just a just God, we would always get our consequences. However, he says God is also merciful. And just because that's the way that, um, that our choices, um, the path that our choices set us on, Jesus redeems us so that we have an opportunity to get off that train. And we just need to realize that there's always an exit there. Um, and so, you know, we can't be the comfortable Christian. We can't be the critical Christian because both of those are ways that uh, the devil can tempt us. Um, so the, the, the question that I, or the Christian type of Christian that I would recommend that we all seek to be is the changed Christian. And we see this in uh, the frustration in the screw tape letters um, between screw tape and Mormwood in letter 25. And so the patient ends up um, dating this woman who um, she comes from a really good family. Um, and and they're not just like Christian and label like they're they're kind of complaining about the fact that they're not like into some particular thing like vegetarianism, faith healing, you know, some kind of fad that's associated with Christianity of the, of the time. And remember, C.S. Lewis is writing around the time of World War Two or shortly thereafter. Um, and so this is pretty recent. Um, and so um, 
but they're they're trying to exploit this tendency that Christians have to make faith into a fad or into a trend. Um, I think it's um, Karl Lagerfeld. He's a fashion designer. He once said um, that trendiness is the last stage to tackiness. It's like the last step before something becomes tacky um, is it's that it's trendy. And so um, it's the same thing with faith. If we make faith all trendy and that's all we want it to be edgy and like we're, o- we're only about it's like marketability and we're not about the substance, the why behind it then it's just going to become tacky in a couple of years. Like it's not going to work anymore. And there's a lot of that out there as well. Um, and, and granted, I think all of it, anyone who is um, going to church, who is, is just comfortable with that, maybe hasn't thought of the deeper reality, they shouldn't be criticized for that. I mean, they're still going, they're making an effort. Maybe the question has never been posed to them. If someone is the critical Christian, like, like, let's look at their intentions. It's probably because they have a deep love for the church. They're just misplacing what it looks like to um, to to be Catholic or be Christian uh, in a constructive way. And they're making it very critical and very about, like, the rigidity of what it looks like. Um, and so it's not that these two things um, are necessary. These two alternatives are necessarily, you know, awful. Um, but they might just be shallower versions or versions that we, we tend toward when we forget the substance of what it really means to be Christian. And so... That it's not a fad, that we're not just fans of Jesus, but we're really meant to follow him. Um, and so the wormwood and screw tape, or screw tape is advising wormwood that um, that this healthy desire um, for change that his patient is developing because of his conversion, um, he should turn it into an obsession for novelty, that he should be looking for the trend, basically, um, because that will diminish the pleasure he gets from it. He'll always be kind of dissatisfied that it's not... Um, it's not meeting that most modern, that most, you know, um, the present need. Um, and he, he wants, the devil wants us to ask questions, um, about our Christianity. Like, is this even possible? Is this even something that, you know, I can do? Um, is this something that, you know, um, I, I should worry about in the future? Um, you know, he says in there that, um, Humans can't, we can't know the future, um, but we will distract ourselves by trying to predict it. And you see this with people who like over discern things. They're like, well, I'm just praying and I'm discerning. And it's just like, well, you've been saying that for six months. Like, when are you going to make a decision? Um, because that is, uh, screw tape says to Wormwood is where that opens up a place for, for us to enter into their lives and bend their actions toward hell's desires. That's a pretty terrifying thing. But what's interesting about this letter, letter 25, which is towards the end, is that they're frustrated that this isn't happening. Like the patient has met a really good woman, a really good Christian family, like it's authentic, it's really changing who he is. And it's not out of this indifference or this desire for it to be a fad or for him to be disappointed because uh, Christianity is not meeting his expected stereotypes. It's becoming more and more authentic. He's really become changed. And spoiler alert, the book ends with, um, the, the patient, he ends up, um, he's, he's afraid of getting drafted into world war two. Um, and so they're trying to play on his fear and make him feel terrible and not courageous, but he ends up getting drafted and he goes and he's afraid of dying in this air raid. Um, but, um, he ends up, he ends up dying and there, um, he ends up going to heaven. And so, um, Wormwood is a failure and he has to take, um, uh, the patient's place in hell and screw tape basically like ends the letter, uh, his final letter by saying like, um, that we can't wait to devour you in hell. 
Um, and there's some bitter back and forth between them too throughout the book. Like Wormwood uh, reports Screwtape to the the Hell Secret Police because Screwtape makes a comment that like the devil loves humans secretly, um, but really he's referencing this fact that like the devil wants humans to think that he cares and loves for them. Um, but it just creates this like bitter back and forth between them, and it just shows you like the sinister nature of demons and like all these things that might in our life or even in our version of Christianity that might look good and shiny and glamorous on the outside, they might look trendy or they might look like, you know, uh, I know a lot about my faith and so I can like criticize this or that and it would all look better if it was my way. All of this stuff is just this kind of glittery, um, um, this glittery mask for the work of the devil in our lives, trying to pick apart what it means to be authentically Christian. And so if I ask you those questions again, why are you Catholic? Why are you Christian? Why do you believe in God? Why do you go to the church that you do? Why do you do this Christianity thing? Really the only authentic answer for the Christian disciple, for someone who really believes, is that I am, I'm doing this because God created me for himself and although I separate myself from him by my sin, he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. And that act of love and mercy has transformed my life. And so I want to serve others and show them that love of God in the mercy I extend to them. And I want to evangelize others and share with them this beautiful truth that they may not already know. Like if we really believe that God did this for us and he's, he's saved us, he saved us from something we could not save ourselves from. We should be shouting this joyfully from the rooftops. We should be sharing it lovingly and gently, but enthusiastically with everyone that we encounter, especially the people we love. If we really love them, then our first principal desire for them should be for them to be in heaven. That's the, the hallmark of a changed Christian. But a comfortable Christian is not going to go out of their way to do that. They're not going to, you know, let their Christianity extend beyond the hour walls of their Sunday experience. And the critical Christian is too busy looking inward at the church or outward at what other people are doing in their own Christianity to pay attention to the real why behind it. They've become too superficial in the other end, you know, too rigid in the, um, what it looks like, the, the, the rubric of Christianity instead of the substance of it. And so I just want to challenge you to think about that. Like, which, what type of Christian are you? And it's okay if you're one of the other. I'm not saying like, well, too bad you're going to hell. Like, no, like we need to be aware of this on a daily basis because, you know, tomorrow I might wake up and be a comfortable Christian. And then the next day I might be a critical Christian. But like really our goal every day is to recognize that we've been changed so radically. And maybe you haven't experienced that. Maybe you haven't experienced real Beauty, the real beauty of a changed life in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't, like, I want to invite you in prayer, maybe right now. I, I just want to pray with you right now, just a prayer of openness. And if you're listening to this podcast and you've already done this, I just want you to pray right now for people who are listening who haven't. So let's pray for a moment. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God, I've spent my whole life wondering, searching for if you're there, if you're real, I feel like I know that you are, but I don't know if I've ever opened myself up to that reality completely. I don't know if I've let you really change my life and be part of every, every corner of it. And so, God, I just want to tell you in this moment, like, I'm, I'm open to that. And I invite you to be more deeply rooted in my life. I invite you to reach out to me, to show me that you love me, to show me that you're there, and to help me know that, that beautiful gift that you've died on the cross for my sins. 
that you paid a debt you didn't owe because I owed a debt I couldn't pay. And I don't ever want to forget that. Help me, Lord, to, um, to know that you love me more deeply this week. And help me to be open to you and open to your will for my life because I know it's the greatest possible plan that anyone could have for me because you know my heart better than I know it. You know my desires better than I do. You know me better than I know myself. And there is not a single desire that you've placed on my heart that you do not intend to fulfill. So I trust you, Lord. I'm open. Guide me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to highlight a saint very quickly that we've highlighted before, and so I'm not going to go into his whole story, but he has a really beautiful quote, and his life is very indicative of this type of transformational experience of Jesus Christ. I mentioned him already in this episode, and that is St. Augustine, um, St. Augustine of Hippo. And if you want uh, a little synopsis of his life, go back and listen to the end of episode 22 when we talk about him. But St. Augustine, very briefly, um, he, um, at one point in his life, was kind of a, a... a priest, the equivalent of a priest in um, a cult called the Manichaeans. And so he's basically like a pagan priest. And he had this huge dramatic conversion um, um, around my age, actually, in his life. Um, And then didn't live too much longer after that. Um, Even before he had his conversion, he had a child out of wedlock. Like he had all these crazy things happen to him. That child ended up dying very young. And so he had this really dramatic conversion, um, also similar to the story of Blessed Bartolo Longo, who um, he was a satanic priest, and then he had a conversion experience. We talk about him in episode 13. But I wanted to highlight just something that I came across that St. Augustine once said. Um, and He said, to fall in love with God is the greatest romance, to seek him the greatest adventure, to find him the greatest human achievement. I'll read that one more time. To fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek him the greatest adventure. To find him the greatest human achievement. I love that quote because those three things, I think, encapsulate what everyone looks for on a daily basis. Romance, adventure, and achievement. We're all looking to find the one, right? There's so many dating apps and all these different ways, you know, people advise each other on how to meet the person. We're all looking for adventure, right? That Instagram life, we want it to be, um, you know, um, the bucket list lifestyle that's um, on blast for everyone to see and everyone to comment on and to inspire other people. And we want achievement. We want to be uh, admired. We want to be famous, a lot of us, uh, well-known. We want to be um, notorious. We want to leave our stamp on this world, um, whether if it's out of just a selfish desire to be famous or whether it's out of, like, we really want to make an impact. We really want to... Um, leave behind a legacy for others to remember. And I just, it's so its so um, fitting that someone whose life was very much a changed Christian um, would encapsulate relationship with God like that, the greatest romance, the greatest adventure, the greatest achievement. Uh, and so I want to encourage you um, to seek after that. You know, if, if you haven't fallen in love with the Lord, um, go on dates with the Lord. You know, spend some time in your week just in quiet, um, talking with him or listening or in a beautiful place where you can just collect your thoughts and get to know him, share your heart with him out loud, um, respond to those weird promptings that pop in your head when you're praying, when, when God's like, oh, what about this person? Or what if you did this? Um, and, and I guarantee if you follow them, that's going to be such a great adventure. And then when you really have that moment, like I found him, you know, it's, it's not going to be perfect. You're still going to have valleys and mountains in your faith life. But you'll recognize, like, this is the greatest value in my life. 
This is the greatest thing I could ever possibly achieve. It doesn't matter what I do for a living, how much money I make, where I live, what anyone says about me, if anyone ever remembers my name. But I know the point of it all, and that's worth it. And so I want to encourage you in your faith walk as you pray through those questions and ask yourself what type of Christian you are, what Christian you want to be, um, that you will have a, a relationship with God that looks like that. That is a great romance, a great adventure, a great human achievement, uh, the greatest. Uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about C.S. Lewis in particular, um, I recommend to you a podcast called Pints with Jack. Jack is a nickname that C.S. Lewis uh, uh, started going by from a very young age. Uh, and so um, that podcast is excellent, and it's done by a guy with a British accent, so it's very easy to listen to. Um, and so uh, I want to encourage you to listen to that. I'll link it in our show notes along with that quote from St. Augustine um, and the different letters that I read from from the screw tape letters. Um, so that's it. Um, again, uh, the highest compliment that you could pay to us if you've enjoyed this podcast or any other episode that we've done is to recommend it to somebody else. So please, you know, if it's on social media, if you can, you know, want to take a screenshot of what you're listening to and share it with your friends, do it verbally, um, you know, send it out in an email to people that you think might benefit from it. Um, you know, our goal really is to help inspire people um, in the way that they're trying to live out their faith um, and uh, help them to know that, you know, we're with them in it and that we're just a couple of sinners who are trying to, um, you know, recognize that we are a mess, but not, um, you know, let that define us and let, let the Lord really love deeply in our lives and that we would really love deeply in our relationships because of that. And so I don't know if any of that makes sense or, you know, means anything to you, but um, if you've been inspired by this or if you've benefited from any episode of our podcast, please share it um, and please rate it uh, and review it. Uh, people really, it really helps people um, find it. And don't just leave a rating, like actually write a review. Um, that boosts um, our, our search, um, the search terms of our podcast to so make it more likely to pe for people to find it if they're looking, especially for like a Catholic or Christian podcast. So anyways, that's it for this week. Uh, St. Augustine, pray for us. Blessed Bartolo Longo, pray for us. And St. Charles Borromeo, our patron saint, pray for us. Um, pr please pray for the DiBernardo clan and baby Jude. Send us your questions for our Q&A episode in two weeks. And until next time, know that we're praying for you, and we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye.